Hello there, my name is Jill Renee Feeler and welcome to this special topic on COVID-19, getting some insights and some background on the modeling that is used for um, predictions, for um, mortality rates, for infection rates and data such as that. I realize that a lot of us don't have a background like mine. I'm an MBA, I did a lot of statistics classes. I had actually one of the top statistics professors in the world. Um, he wrote the top-selling book globally, and he taught at my university, <laughs> Boise State University. So I had him for statistics, Dr. Patrick Shannon, and then I did econometric analysis as an eco economics major. So I know a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of you guys here are like, whoa, what is all that? <laughs> you know, um, it's not my normal side that you guys see to me, but I'm, I was realizing a few days ago that that background, I feel, has actually offered me a lot of inner peace and maybe a different level of awareness to what is going on when I see the data, when I see the headlines, when I listen to the experts and the epidemiologists and the immunologists and the World Health Organization announcements. I have a very different context about, the, about what they're basing their decisions on and the weaknesses that are just inherent in any sort of modeling like that. So my intention in sharing with you today is not to, hi Samson, is not to add any more fear because we, I think we all have a lot of that, um, but really hopefully to help inform you so that you have a better appreciation for the uncertainty that's actually in the midst of all of this, the unpredictability of, of anything in our world, especially a new virus and things like that. And then, of course, one of my premises that I use all the time is everybody is doing the best they can with what they know. Even the experts, even the leaders, probably all of us feel that way ourselves. And that just gives me this really nice foundation. And I want to invite all of you into hopefully a firmer foundation for your best self amidst a very uncertain, very chaotic time. All right, so I'm glad you're here. I'll do my best at giving enough information to give, hopefully again, make you more informed and help you feel more calm amidst this crazy time, um, but not overwhelm you. So if I get too techy, um, just kind of take a breath and get a drink of water, <laughs> doodle on a notepad, you know. Um, I do feel like some have a different appetite for more the technical side than others, and I completely honor that and appreciate that, all right? Okay, <laughs> so let's obviously just do a, a brief meditation here, a connection exercise. I like to start all of our experiences out uh, with that so that we can really, really relax in our bodies, okay? All right, so I'm gonna invite you, some of you are new here, um, so I'm welcome. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. And let's just relax your shoulders and just close your eyes, put a smile on your face as you take some nice, deep, slow breaths here, okay? Okay. Focus on your hands for a moment and just imagine uh, in a fun kind of childlike way, imagine that in the palms of your hands, there are these beautiful um, like crystal, it almost looks like a crystal ball, actually, the way that I'm imagining it. Just fun, like oversized marbles <laughs> kind of experience. And just let yourself feel in your hands the, the coolness of these, these um, spherical crystals. 
and literally we're imagining, imagining that they feel heavy to you, but they feel pleasing to you. Almost like they're giving you something to do with your hands and they're giving you something to focus on in the moment that is not the, you know, what's going on in the world right now. So just imagine the coolness in your hands. <sighs> Let yourself just imagine grabbing onto each of those balls in each of your hands. Good. And while we're doing that, please visualize that in the center of your being, there is this beautiful silvery moon sort of experience. It also is cool and calming and beautiful and it's shining light within you from the inside out. Nice deep breath. Imagine that that inner moon is literally lighting you up from the inside out. Every single nook and cranny of your body has a beautiful uh, shiny moonlight on it. Now focus on your feet for a moment. Focus on the bottom, the soles of your feet, and imagine that they feel nice and warm right now, almost like a cozy blanket or a nice crackling fire, sort of warming up your feet. Wiggle your toes a little bit. Very good. And imagine that warmth rising up from the soles of your feet, up through your legs, into your pelvis, into your stomach area and your digestion system, up into your lungs, and imagine your lungs just feeling loved with the warmth of this fire-like experience. <sighs> nice deep breath, just appreciating that you can take a nice deep breath, whatever, that, whatever deep is to you, okay? Nice deep one again. And with this next inhale, I want you to breathe all the way into the bottom part of your lungs by having your belly actually expand as you inhale. Put your, your hand right on your belly and breathe in, making the belly go out. Hold it for just a second. And now exhale. One more time, breathing in through the nose. Hold it, and now exhale. Get all the air out, get every single little iota of air out. Okay, good. If you're not smiling anymore, put that smile back on your face, please. <laughs> okay. All right, now just wiggling your fingers, wiggling your toes, touch your earlobes, touch your nose, touch your chin. Touch your clavicle bones, the, the bones that are around your neck, above your lungs. Okay, wiggling your fingers. Great job, you guys. Okay, hopefully you feel a bit more sparkly, a bit more centered in yourself. Ah, oh, I know, <laughs> it feels so good, right? I'm glad to do that too <laughs> with each of you. 
All right, so of course you can come back once, we, once you have the replay. You can come back and do that every day if you want to, you guys. We have a meditation at the beginning of everything we do, including the hundreds of videos that we have on YouTube that are absolutely free. All right, so there's a ton of stuff here for you every day. I don't want you to feel alone. I don't want you to feel unsupported. We have so much here. You have so much here in this world to help you get through this, help you be your best. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about computer and predictive modeling. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I never ever would have imagined that I would be having this conversation <laughs> with, with you guys or with anyone really in this, in this season of my life and what I do now, but, but here we are, right? Okay, so I don't have notes. Um, I am just going to do this from a more um, kind of um, off the cuff, very casual um, hopefully non-intimidating, very welcoming, but highly informative and very relevant um, sort of lecture in a way. Okay. All right. So let me give you some context. Um, I know some of you have this experience too. Um, I woke up on, what day was it? Let me go to my notes here. Um, it was March 25th, 2020. And I woke up at about 3.30 in the morning and I just felt this crystal clarity with my thinking. Um, I'd woken up from s nice sound sleep, but I just felt very focused. And normally when I get like that, it's, um, I want to write it down. I want to, it's almost like learning from myself what I'm writing down. It's very, it's a very strange experience for somebody that's never had it. But for a lot of us, it's become a, a strange new normal. Anyway, let me just read you just the beginning of this, okay? Because I, I, I don't know what to do with this writing. I may just stick it in the, uh, the page where I'll put the replay and then you guys can do what you want with it. I tried to edit it and then I was like, this is like a technical, a technical writing. Um, not technical like in terms of like an MBA program or something, but it's far more technical than anything I normally write. So let me just, um, for some context of how this, uh, this experience and special topic meeting with you came up. Okay, creating inner calm amidst the new coronavirus, an invitation to some sense of peace within. I'm starting to realize that the global headline I keep looking for may not come. I keep going to my favorite news sources via my mobile, possibly an unhealthy number of times a day. It started for me about March 10th, 2020. As an American, that seems to be when the reality for me personally settled in. It's today, March 25th, 2020, when I'm writing this, that I'm yearning for the big headline. Something like, <laughs> makes me want to cry. <laughs> ah, okay, Jill, hang it, hang on. Something like, we've got it. <laughs> or crisis over. Or even less likely, false alarm. Like some sort of Orwellian end of the world farce made real. We are interacting with a force of energy all its own. A virus can act like a fire, untamable, unpredictable, and very much a force of its own. Experts are trying to build their models, desperately seeking the answers to the questions we all have. What is it? How can we control it? What has it actually done so far? What will the virus do next? What can we do? What is the full profile of everyone who has died from it? What is the full profile of everyone who has so far survived it? What are the resulting health effects for survivors? 
Are there permanent respiratory damage from the severe cases? What are my and my loved one's chances of getting it? What are my and my loved one's chances of surviving it? And likewise being killed by it? You may think all of these questions have been answered. When listening to the experts in longer form conversational interviews beyond the headlines, you'll notice that answers are more like guesses, estimates, and predictions, not real answers. The news is covering 24-7 the latest answers from the developing models of what this is. Models filled with possible variables that affect the outcome, patient data, population data, and rapidly increasing amounts of cases happening worldwide in real time. Can you imagine such a model? Modeling real-world complex problems is a daunting technical process I recall from my undergraduate experience. It is incredibly impressive when one can produce a successful model of complex circumstances to improve understanding, inform decisions, and ideally lead to upgraded outcomes in the real world. Models are useful and deployed throughout modern society to better inform financial decisions, infrastructure planning in a city, medical diagnoses, business strategy, health of a population, etc. Our world is very much alive and unpredictable, but decisions must be made, even amidst this uncertainty and unpredictability. Models support informed decision-making. Professionals and experts regularly re rely on models, although they may not refer to them, instead focusing on the conclusions they have drawn from the modeling and from the resulting advice and recommendations of those who use and make these models. Models, computer models, predictive models play a critical role in the experts process. Models also are flawed, always. The data going into the models are flawed, always. The flaws on all ends of modeling can be minimized but will always be present. To what degree are the conclusions from modeling been even useful, especially when it comes to the case of COVID-19 at the present early stage of the new virus? The answers reflect the best the experts know at the present time. The experts in these longer form interviews discuss the high degree of uncertainty they are facing. That doesn't stop us or them from having all the right questions. Let's take a nice deep breath here. I think I edited this better than, better than I thought I had. I'll definitely be sharing this. Okay. I just keep reading going, wow, did I write this? I, I did. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> The answers aren't as accurate as we want them to be. The accuracy of conclusions, advice, answers will surely increase as we have more time, more data, more experience with this living, moving, adaptable virus that isn't acting like other viruses. The world looks to experts for answers. <sighs> Only the experts and their peers know the fallibility of the models and the data they are relying upon. I sense we are mature enough as adults to appreciate this fallibility as a normal part of life's uncertainty, even when we have questions, even when lives are at stake. 
Are we at the beginning of the virus or the tail end? We as humanity don't know yet. Cases are still growing, even in China where it started. But China's case growth seems to be slowing. Please notice the nuance in that statement, slowing growth. Still more cases, but less new cases than before. China was the first country to live this, and it appears that no one can be certain that it started there around November 2019. So four months in, and their cases are still growing, but less so than before. <clears throat> when they have no new cases, their country's experience can feel more stable. And then we, as humanity, relying on these experts who gather and analyze such data, will see whether the virus acts seasonally, whether someone that had been verified, verifiably infected can get reinfected, whether certain remedies can help, whether their body built up any immunity to lessen its severity, whether the virus changed that much from its previous cycle, etc. That will then be a model for China's experience. One could then easily conclude that other countries in the thick of the virus with dramatically increasing cases could also be on that similar timeline with that life cycle for round one of that illness. But no. China's political system offers a very different level of authority and control over its citizenry, which allowed them to battle the virus in a very different way than most Western countries will have available. Let's take another nice deep breath, please. Quarantines are sort of like hiding the virus hosts from the virus so that it can't get to them. But the virus is alive. It can change. It can adapt. Anything alive wants to live. It's part of its structure, which, which makes it a force of nature that is unique to it. Playing hide and seek from a virus that is alive in the nearby population can only last so long. And how long can we hide? I've noticed more questioning of the quarantine approach in recent days and questioning in my view is good. When we are afraid to question or when we want to suppress those who question, it appears to further dampen and delay what may end up being the potentially best solutions for the community as a whole, which in this case is a global community. Going back to the China experience and whether their timeline with this is applicable to Western societies. It seems logical without any model in use here with my speculation, in other words, I'm not deploying a model in this uh, um, hypothesis. It seems logical that Western societies will have a timeline from outbreak to identifiable slowing of new cases to the point that new cases are only from imported cases and not from community spreading of at least 1.5 times China's. In other words, the timeline could be 1.5, one time plus another half of that time in Western societies. If China's data being reported, on, being reported on this week is accurate, their only new cases are of the imported variety. Someone got sick elsewhere and they brought it in. However, we already know with this novel coronavirus that people can be infected with it with no symptoms. And such individuals can pass the virus on to others who then do show symptoms, would be more likely to get tested and would then be monitored. 
This means that the number of actual cases of virus in a host is underreported. If it appears South Korea has been the most aggressive about testing, even testing with those with no symptoms. Hence, their wider data set among the full population will likely end up being the most useful for other countries newer in the outbreak time span in terms of how many cases they have relative to the entire population, how many never had symptoms but have the virus, how many have symptoms, how many duration of symptoms by age and by health risk, how many with the virus recovered and how many died, duration of infectiousness. Gathering, analyzing, sharing such data takes time. Using such shared data to then make public policy decisions takes time. Bringing us back to anyone like me, <laughs> waiting for the conclusive headline to indicate we now know what we are dealing with and this new life force called COVID-19 and whatever other medical terms it's being called. We don't know. Time will tell if the quarantines are working. Time will tell if the death rate actually goes down from what can feel like the aggressive measures of full lockdown. It is clear that what the, health, what the health experts and those they are advising are wanting most to avoid is overwhelming the hospitals with patients they cannot care for. That is what slowing the curve is all about. The policymakers deploying quarantine efforts are trying to hide the hosts from the virus as much as possible not with the expectation that the virus will die during this hide and seek experience, rather with the hopes that they can try to manage the flow of those with hospital worthy symptoms flooding into the healthcare system. No one wants to see seriously ill patients on gurneys in tents in parking lots and or without ventilators and or without nurses and doctors and everything else we ideally see in treating someone who is suffering possibly fighting for air and possibly fighting for their lives. If the March 24th news reports in Reuters are correct, Sweden is taking a different approach so far, not rushing to quarantine, noticing the devastating economic effects that quarantines are having in other countries and the social and emotional mental health problems that go along with that. Hmm. I'm a problem solver and you may be as well. We can sort of armchair quarterback this thing all day long, but at what cost to our own inner peace and even sanity? This thing will take time. I am pleased to see efforts to increase the medical supplies that may be needed, the proposals for creating makeshift hospitals and temporary ICU units, the exploration of medical personnel being brought back into the care system for this emergency from retirement, the worst case scenarios offered by the models and the experts are terrifying. And that is what the public policymakers, leaders have to take into account. On top of all of this, we have a communication network that thrives on crisis. The news agencies, including conspiracy theorists and even conspiracy experts, are deployed to be the ones who feed the rest of us what we want, which is answers. As general citizens, we want to know what is going on and we want answers to our questions. I sit here today recalling my own little undergraduate model <laughs> that I've made <laughs> and reflecting on all the crisis. I have been on the edge of my seat, devotedly following the headlines and even some conspiracy sources to try to figure out the answers to my own questions. 
I was born in 1970. My parents followed the news during the oil embargo when I was probably seven. I remember the news showing people in long lines waiting for hours to put gas in their cars. In my town then in Austin, Minnesota, I don't think we had any lines like that. There have been so many crises that one can go through in 50 years of life or more, and I have, mostly as an observer. A personal crisis or even triumph is not often not a headline. Headlines are made, decided upon, by those who want to get your attention and those who can choose what is worthy of your attention. It is the news agency's business, and they are masters at it. That doesn't make me feel manipulated, but it does remind me to be aware that there are many, many other things also going on in the world and in my personal sense of world. I'm not denying the reality of this virus and its unique life-threatening characteristics. Relative to the flu, this new coronavirus is much more deadly based on the most recent data and the present models. And it should be taken seriously and clearly it is being taken seriously. These headlines, this virus, the developing and always imperfect models, worst case scenarios, have now captured the whole world into its own realm. We may find we didn't take it seriously enough. We may find out we took it too seriously. Time will tell. I am also cognizant that the presently known death rate from the virus for the population as a whole is very low especially when compared to a slew of other risks we or I as humans face in life. Each of us can easily ponder the other more likely things that will end our own lives that may never make a headline or if so, only occasionally. I value my life and I value your life. So I will not ignore this new virus. That would be unwise. I value my quality of life, so I will make an effort to not look at the headlines nor the many conspiracy angles to this pandemic. I will keep tabs on when my teenagers are or aren't returning to school. I will keep tabs on my loved one's health, including emotional health, as well as that of myself. I will remind myself that I'm still in a small community in Idaho and that our experience may be like those depicted in the headlines or excuse me, that our experience may not be like those depicted in headlines on my noble mobile news apps. My, hes- my head isn't in the proverbial sand, but it isn't spinning off my body in panic either. And I'm still here. And most of us, the vast, vast, vast majority of us are still here. And even with this pandemic, the vast, vast majority of us will still be here this June and next June and even the June after that. We lose loved ones, we die. Acting like that all could happen tomorrow from anything, in my view, is not a great model for living. And its error rate is ridiculous. If you experienced all of of these words and ideas, maybe you notice the difference in the pace you now feel within yourself. I hope this pulls you back into your chair, into yourself, like a deep sigh amidst a restored inner calm. Headlines and news on our mobiles and screens and papers don't do that. They actually do the opposite of that by design. That doesn't make headlines or news bad nor nefarious. It's just a reminder of what counterforce is called for to feel and claim one's self, to ideally even enjoy one's life. 
to best face a pandemic or any other more personal challenge you may be facing. I hope you feel more inside yourself. I'd like that you feel more of you after having now experienced this. This was long, longer than I intended and slow. I took my time. I set my pace and I hope it feels better than the rhythm you had before you started. Similar to when your heartbeat recovers after a scare or after a good, healthy cardiovascular challenge. A rapid heart rate from panic, from fear, from headlines can easily become one's norm and it can make us feel alive and more connected. Connected to what? And feeling alive from what? Fear? Panic? Heart racing patterns? These are good questions to ponder. Ideally, your own pace, taking your time, making a life, your life, your own, own personal model in the process. Hoping for a long, happy life for all of humanity. Jill. Okay. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Those of you that are live, please chat away. I have to hear from you. This, I, I'm reading this and I'm like, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> It's just like, <laughs> this isn't how I remembered it. <laughs> well, what day was that again? I have to go back. Like, what the heck? <laughs> okay, good. Uh, and we haven't even talked about modeling yet. I know. Um, yeah, that was March. That was just two days ago. That was, that was like 48, five hours. So 48 plus six is 54. That was 54 hours ago, people. And I swear to God, I, I swear to God, somebody, little, little uh, fairy snuck in my computer and made it better. Anyway, so this is yeah, me reminding myself not to question um, when something is probably better than, than I give it credit. Anyway, I'll put that in a PDF as a download link um, on the page where I put this replay. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy that that came through. I feel like, and I love it that it's written down. I feel like there is a different experience that we can have just sitting in our favorite chair or sitting outside for those of you that are allowed to go outside god god bless for those of you that are not allowed outside please feel my huge hug for you that's another level of quarantine that i'm not facing hopefully well not yet and hopefully not ever anyway um god it's just so freaking crazy right now yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Good. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Thank you. You guys are very, like I'm seeing so good. Wow. Amazing download, Jill. Magnificent download. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. So let's just briefly talk about modeling just for a minute. Um, and let me tell you my experience. So, okay. And let me try and pick an example of a model that, that most of you would have access to. And I think the age range for our audience tends to be in like the 55 to 65 or 65 to 75 years old um, kind of norm is I, I think our bulk. I don't have the data <laughs> to prove it, um, but that's my hunch given my interactions with you guys over the years. So most of you have probably, probably have your own sort of retirement financial planning sort of model. Um, or at least you've heard about one or you know somebody that has one. I wish you all had one, but that's just me being me. Um, so you have some sense of, of something in a computer that, that you put data in and it says, okay, I'm this old, 
Um, you know, I've given the data in the world, I probably will live this long, but let's add a cushion of five or 10 years just, just to be safe, maybe 20 years. Um, how much do you have saved? How much do you currently make? How much might that grow? There's all these data inputs, inputs right? The reason those data inputs are asked for is because the data that's plugged into a model like that are the, they're called an independent variable, okay, that is most likely to have a, an influence on the outcome, okay? So your age now matters. The, the most common age of, um, of death, right? Mortality, death, age, um, is also a, an important factor in how much money somebody needs to live on, right? Um, how much money you currently have saved matters. How much, all of those things are called the independent variables in a model. So those are data elements that you plug into a computer model that somebody built, right? Somebody at one point said, okay, what are all the factors that matter that we plug in and then we see the outcome. We spit it in, we put it in the model, the model spits it out and you get a number. And then you say, okay, so that's that, okay. All right, now there's a whole bunch of play in how things actually go, right? If you're my age, 50, and you're expecting to live to the average age, which I don't even know what average is anymore, especially as an American, but um, I'm pretty healthy, knock on wood, <laughs> right? But they're all just estimates, they're all just predictions. And that's actually a pretty tight little model, a retirement model, versus trying to put in all the variables that help predict what the mortality rate is of a virus, what the spread rate is of a virus. And the other crazy part about the modeling for this, there are cases of carriers of the virus. In other words, they have been actually positively tested for coronavirus that have no symptoms, you guys. So just take that for a moment and then consider that what that means is unless you're testing everybody, which I think only South Korea has done, whether they have symptoms or not, they're just testing everybody. They have history with SARS and MERS that we don't have. So their approach to this and China's approach to coronavirus um, is totally different than a lot of us have because they have an experience with it that a lot of us don't have, right? So unless a society is testing everybody, the data that's being, in the, that's being placed in these models is very, um, it's not that it's sketchy, it's just that it only means so much. So I think it's actually good news that there are so many people that test positive with coronavirus, and I say so many, we don't know how many, but there is some portion of people that test positive that have no symptoms. Not only do they not now have symptoms, some of them never develop symptoms. They're completely asymptomatic. That's good news, right? It's, you guys, it's such good news. Okay, so viruses are their own consciousness. Viruses are their own life force, their own force of nature. And they evolve and adapt and new. Can you imagine being in the field of immunology, epidemiology, um, virology, <laughs> bacteriology, right? These people that specialize in this stuff, they have to have a level of like fascination and appreciation for the newness of viruses. I'm talking natural viruses. We're not gonna talk today about, you know, bio uh, weapons that are made in a lab. Okay, let's talk about actual ones that just 
just happen by bats being right next to whatever in a wet market in Wuhan, China, <laughs> right? This, this stuff happens. Okay, so this opportunity for us to really kind of look back at what the headlines and the one to three minute little interviews with experts aren't talking about. Um, it is good news that this virus, and I think we'll find out more and more good news again as we get more data, that testing positive doesn't mean you have it. The only reason that even matters is that if you're testing positive, you have um, the virus operating in your system, even though you're not feeling it, somebody else that is of any sort of compromised um, category, and maybe we'll find out they weren't even, I think some of the people that we're finding they weren't even in a, in a uh, classical risk category you'd think of for the flu or for a coronavirus. So it could be that there's just this sort of um, maybe more randomness to who's affected by having the virus and who's not affected, who's non-symptomatic but testing positively for the virus. So because we don't know all those things, um, I mean, compassion for the leaders is what I feel that, that this is the really shitty situation that they're in because the, the modeling is based on worst case scenarios, which you have to do in a way from a health policy, public policy standpoint. But the chances of those worst case scenarios actually coming to fruition, in my view, are so, so low. Um, but again, with the, con with the nature of the spread and the quickness that this spreads, it could easily and has, we've seen in um, New York City, as I understand it, and obviously in Italy, um, overwhelmed the healthcare system. And that's why we're trying to flatten the curve, slow this thing down, play hide and seek with the virus, not to shut it down and make it go away, as I understand it, but to just make it harder <laughs> for the virus to find um, an individual that it can make symptomatic and then to the point that they would send them to the hospital. We're just trying to slow all of that down, right? Okay, so I don't even know if any of the other modeling types of conversations are relevant here other than that. And we kept it very non-technical, which I'm really happy about. Let me just ponder that for a moment and see if there's anything else. I think, I think we covered it. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of us that are naturally suspicious or skeptical or are maybe like me and have some background with data and modeling and statistics and statistical modeling, et cetera, are kind of like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know that that uh, death rate or that infection rate or that, you know, worst case scenario, it all seems a little improbable to me. Um, I, you might be like me. I would feel so satisfied if there were an, a more natural way of tracking, okay, this is what was predicted, this is what actually happened. Kind of like those of us that have businesses <laughs> or any of us that have worked for um, like a corporate organization, that's what they do. It's like, okay, this was the forecast, this was the budget, this is what was actually spent, this is what was actually made. I, I was in the financial side and then I got into strategy and um, marketing kind of, but more of a strategic marketing kind of thing. Um, I love that. <laughs> I 
loved financial reporting. I loved financial forecasting. I love just the, okay, we got numbers. We got numbers here, people, you know? And in a business, especially that has shareholders and, um, and regulators that, that are making sure you're, you're reporting accurately, et cetera. There's such, you know, delight in that there's actual data that's been audited and it's real. And the error rate of the data is very low. It's very high accurate data that you're like, okay, you got it. You know, like this is where we were over. This is where we were under. This is where we outperformed. This is where we underperformed. And you can just dig into all that data and what does it mean? And how should we adapt our strategy? And who did well and who didn't do well? And how can we help those that didn't do well do better? Or were the goals unrealistic and why? You know, I just, I, I totally geek out on all that stuff. I know it's so fun. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that isn't like this at all, right? When it comes to living bodies and a virus force of nature, that kind of before and after, okay, this is what we thought would happen. Part of the issue that, that you may be realizing too, those of you that are maybe data nerds like myself is, is the prediction of what will happen is changing all the time because the data being deployed into those predictive models is changing all the time. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The other, yeah, the other kind of problem and um, mischaracterization of the headlines that I'm noticing is, and I'm in my state of Idaho, we're seeing this too. It's like, oh, 10 new cases were diagnosed yesterday. And, and you're, they're looking at the growth rate of how quickly new cases are developing, right? The increase of reported cases, the increase of, of testing positive, right? The increase of death, et cetera. But there's a lag in that. And again, it, I mean, how many of those cases were, was it actually eight people that were tested on Tuesday, but they didn't get into the reporting system until Thursday. So it could be that there is a trajectory, but the trajectory, the, in other words, the, the sloping up uh, from your angle, the sloping up of cases reported, of deaths, et cetera, doesn't necessarily mean exactly on that day. Um, I mean, even in my own situation, I have a, um, a sad, a sad case of a friend that traveled with me to Egypt who lives in a county, Blaine County in Idaho, that's been um, so far the most affected by coronavirus. Um, she told me on Tuesday that um, somebody that she knows that was a neighbor of hers had died and she thought it might be the first death that we have in the state. It was just reported in the news yesterday. So on the news reports, it's like we have, you know, this many new deaths today. Well, actually it was Tuesday. So there's this kind of delay and this weirdness of reporting and um, there's just a lot of, um, it's not, I don't think it's reason to be suspicious that this is real. I think this is very real. And I hope I stated that clearly in what I wrote down and what I shared with you today. But it's a matter of the data isn't as 100% as foolproof as people make it sound like. It sounds so official. And it is an official number, but just because it's an official number, it doesn't, it just comes across as, as a level of accuracy that I think is um, impossible given this, the wild, you know, moving target situation that we're living in right now. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> Steven, thank you. He's saying, Jill, your download feels so good and real. Cautious realism versus fear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Very good. How are you guys doing? All right. Oh, good. Okay. Melissa's saying, I believe I read that Germany is testing more broadly like South Korea. That's good. We have some people here from Germany. Choose. <laughs> Choose. <laughs> 
Okay. All right, you guys, how are you doing? So are there questions that you have? Are there things that you want to talk about, things that you want to ask? Um, I'm always willing to throw out an, 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 an opinion, um, mainly relying on my intuition, not necessarily expertise. But my main goal for setting up this special topic for you guys today was to help you feel heard. Um, I know a lot of you are very similar in terms of how you look at things. Um, we, so a lot of us know each other now over the years of hanging out together in consciousness communities and, you know, d you know, waxing poetic about consciousness and esoteric topics. Um, I was speaking with a friend yesterday and she and I were both mentioning that it's almost like we feel like we've been prepared for this. Um, yeah, I just got goosebumps as I said that. And I wonder if you guys feel that way too. I'll, for any of you that feel like, oh, like you are more prepared than your neighbor, like emotionally prepared, um, psychically prepared, energetically prepared, maybe even physically prepared, right? Please decide what you want to do with that, right? We have a very strange environment where only certain individuals are sort of encouraged and um, supported in like speaking their mind and giving their advice and things like that. I really hope that all of you feel hopefully motivated to share what you know it may not even be what you read, but just what you sense. Some of you are a support system energetically for others. Some of you are healers. Some of you are therapists. Some of you are advisors. Some of you are um, in a technical field. And there are so many ways that you may be dealing better with this because of not just your profession or your gifts and abilities, but your nature. And I have felt um, I've worked I've worked way harder <laughs> in the past week, um, actually, yeah, week specifically than I have in a long, long time. I felt so focused, and it's funny that just over the last uh, two weeks prior to this, I felt really motivated to get my website cleaned up. And I had heard from a few of you that it was hard to find things, and I didn't. That's that's not good news. I want things to be easy for you to find. So spending time on that, it's really interesting how. Um, things end up being in preparation that you didn't even know were in preparation for. So, yeah. Okay. So let me take your questions for those of you that are live. Okay. Yeah, Karen. She just said goosebumps. I also feel prepared. Yeah. Good. Ah, good. Sylvia says absolutely more prepared. Okay. Hey, Melissa. I can always count on Melissa to ask a very, a very deep and uh, like expanded question. She said, I am interested in Wetiko's latest uh, take on COVID, your download, the spread, the death victims. Um, the unconsciousness element was definitely a part of what you heard already in the written statement. So I'll just, I'll just leave it right there. It was definitely um, my, and some of you are new here, and you're not sure what we're talking about. Um, there's a series I did a few years ago, and it's still the most popular and by far top rated series I've ever done. That's called Outwitting with Tico, Unconsciousness Revealed. Um, and I do mention it in the COVID-19 special resource page. So I'll let you just kind of read that little blurb about it for those of you that are curious. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's out there and very real. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I hope that helps, Melissa. Mm, good. Oh, that's interesting, Maria. Um, Maria is a math genius, literally teaches mathematics, as I understand it, at a, as a professor, Maria, right? And she says, yes, more prepared. Have been telling people to prepare since end of January. Ooh, Maria, you were on top of this before a lot of us. 
uh, Renee is saying, can we talk about the financial economy? I would love to talk about the financial economy. And let's just bring it home, <laughs> right, to, to all of us. Um, I, there was a, yeah, there's a, actually this necklace I'm wearing today. <laughs> Christy Fever, <laughs> C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, F-E-A-V-E-R makes this amazing jewelry. And she posted probably maybe a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago on Facebook that she said I'm a, something to the effect of I'm a little hesitant to like let you guys know what new pieces I have as an artist. Um, but I do have a lot of inventory here and I, you know, we're all still needing to pay our bills right now as far as we know. Um, and I feel awkward. Like, I don't want to be like, hey, is anyone even want some jewelry in a time where people are, are so worried about other, maybe more serious matters, but I don't know what to do. And it was interesting because a lot of us that are clients of hers that have purchased her pieces, I mean, included immediately, it was like, Christy, I can't even tell you what a... <laughs> what an esoteric support system this piece from you has been for me. I feel stronger when I wear it. And, and is it placebo? I'm good with the placebo effect. I'm totally down <laughs> for placebo effect. Anything that can help us feel more stable, more calm, more like our actual selves, more like our best selves, I'll give it to me. <laughs> you know, uh, pet rock. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with that. Right. Um, so we were just encouraging her that, um, we're valuing her work in this time, maybe even more so than we realized we would. And then somebody else chimed in, it's so important that we support each other right now, you guys. So to those of you, and Melissa, you too had mentioned this in the 24 uh, seven online group for the members that, you know, so far financially, you haven't been affected. So even though your, your, you know, housekeeper or gardener can't come, or maybe they can, I don't know, it's different in every state and different, different rules about this shelter in place. But Melissa had shared, hey, she's paying them, her and her husband are paying them anyway, because right now they have the money to do so. And everybody needs to kind of help each other get through this. And I definitely feel that way. So I'm, I'm still able to have my, um, you know, sessions with my energy healer long distance, right? So I'm, I'm happy to send that, that PayPal payment to, to him as Michael Dake and to her as Bridget Aldrich. Um, and just like, okay, good. Okay. Like this feels normal. This feels good. Um, I paid for my next package of my boxing and strength training, and I don't know when I'll be able to be back there, but it felt really good to buy the 25 session pack. Cause that's a, that's a big chunk of money. Um, and I had the money to do it. And I was like, that may help him pay rent this month. Um, so it's just, this is a really weird time. So for those that have the financial resources, um, and you're feeling like, okay, so far so good. I really encourage you to try to be as business as usual with whom you are supporting and whom is supporting you as possible. For those of you that have, um, virtual online businesses like I do try to keep things as normal as possible. And you may be surprised at how many people are as interested and maybe even more interested in what you do and what you have been doing. Um, now, and it's, it, I mean, a lot of us, maybe those that are more worried about bothering other people, let's just say, are kind of like, well, I don't want to bother them. Maybe they don't want their session this week. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't need their astrology reading or their psychotherapy session this, this time. Actually, what if they need it more, right? So please, you know, just have that open dialogue. I really encourage you, um, those of you that have your own businesses or that make decisions for businesses, really reflect on 
Why are you making the decisions you're making? Is it based on fact? Is it based on assumptions? Can you test those assumptions by actually interacting with your actual clients, your actual customer base, your actual paying customers and engaging with them? How are you guys doing? Like, you know, where are you at? Um, I have found anyway, when I've done that, it's not a bother and they can always ignore you, especially if it's an email and they're like, Jill, I cannot deal with you today. I can't answer your email. I can't do your survey today, Jill, you know? they'll ignore me. That's okay. Ignore me. Ignore me if you need to. But those that are there saying, you know what? Thank you for checking in. Now is a great time to check in with people. You guys, there's a lot of us that are really isolated out here. Um, and I have my family, so I'm in a different situation. <laughs> We're all home, <laughs> right? Occupying space together and stuff. And um, it's just, it, there's nothing normal about this. Okay, so that on that part. And then for those of you that are financially struggling, please, just, I'm giving you a big hug. And I do want to acknowledge that some that I'm hearing from that are financially struggling, it's not because of COVID-19. They were struggling before. Um, and now they realize, well, I want to participate in this, but I've got this situation. But sometimes that financial strain isn't because of COVID-19. It was there four months ago. So this could be a wake up call for a lot of people to really maybe reconsider and reevaluate some of the choices that all of us are making and that maybe you personally are making about how you interact with commerce, how you interact with money and your ability to make money, your ability to spend money in the world. Um, I hope a lot of us get a lot more creative that just because we can't do X, Y, and Z doesn't mean we can't do A, B, and C. And I really, I mean, I would love it if all of us that, that recognize what we're not good at are then spending more time on, but what are we good at? And how might we be able to make that into, you know, a cash flow or a business and be wise about it and not overinvest in it? Not over, don't do that. Don't, don't go building a $5,000 website to look profession at a business where you're making no money yet. Please don't do that. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of, opportunity here for all of us to really get to know ourselves better. Uh, right. And sometimes it take, takes a crisis for people to really dig deep and just sort of go, okay, now what, what is this? Cause some of us don't like ourselves on a, on a good day. And in a bad day, it's like, God, I really don't like myself in this situation. I love to, and I know a lot of you guys are like this too. I love to help people love themselves more. And to realize why you are likable, why, I mean, the fact that you're compassionate, that you care about other people, that you're concerned about the financial crisis, that you're concerned about others, that is such a beautiful quality about you. Now, can you make that into a business? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's worth a try and don't overinvest in it. Just play with it, right? Okay. So can we talk about the financial economy? This, and I, I've said this in the, in the March Equinox message, um, we talked about this. This COVID-19 will affect everybody, everybody. Now, it could be that the, the medical health modeling in terms of those that actually get the dry cough and need to be on a ventilator, that that's like, it could be that that ends up being one-tenth, maybe even one one-thousandth, maybe even one-ten-thousandths. <laughs> of the, the others that are affected financially from this. Because economically, this is a very, I mean, one of my undergraduate degrees is economics. This is a drastic response to a medical emergency. And I, I totally understand why I get the rationale, but it very well could be that at the end of the day, we go, we 
probably made the wrong decision there. Um, we just don't, like I said, we don't know. So they, the experts and, you know, compassion for them, my God. Oh, can we all just, yeah, just imagine like, just like a group hug. We're seeing leaders shine in ways that I don't even know if they knew they had it in them. But some leaders that some of us may have thought of as buffoons are actually sounding really, really smart these days sometimes and some others, some of the other way, right? That we thought were smart and I'm like, that sounded, I don't know about that, you know? Anyway, there's a new level of leadership being called upon and some are shining and some are not. <laughs> we don't need to name names. It's all, it depends on the day too. Anyway, so just, let's just imagine it's just a really nice, acknowledgement for the very, very difficult job that they have. Oh, I just, wow. Yeah, in private enterprise too. I mean, my husband's a, um, he's a leader in a publicly traded um, company that trades on the stock market. And um, that's a different level of crisis going on there. And the level of collaboration that's going on across industries and um, a level of um, like, let's solve this together. And when I hear about individuals like the, uh, the guy that created Dyson, um, right, the vacuums and the hair dryers and kind of stuff that he made 15,000 ventilators like in a week. I'm like, yes, that, right? Um, that we can be so flexible. And sometimes when the need is big enough and the threat is real enough that we can be really, really savvy when we have to be. And I just love that part of the human spirit. It makes me so excited. Um, and there's others, Elon Musk, and I think Ford Motor Company, and there's others that have really like, okay, we can, hey, I can do that. Fashion designers making um, the, the um, clothing items and masks that hospitals need and stuff. It's just like, God, this, this pitching in together that's last, that will last longer likely than even 9-11 um, sort of thing. It's just really beautiful to see, isn't it? Okay, so economically, um, and I like again, I did talk about it in the March Ekmax message, so I do encourage you to listen to that. But um, in terms of what each of us can do, um, pay attention to what sort of public programs that your community may have if you have children. Um, what sort of, I mean, some of you are, um, this is a for pay experiences. So you may not be in the same situation as some of the other really economically challenged groups, but um, I know in my community, it just, it was so beautiful. They, <laughs> yeah, they sent out this email that um, because the schools are closed, not only in every locality, every school district has to handle this on their own, but in my district, the minute they mentioned that the schools would be closed <laughs> in the same announcement, they included that um, this is what we're going to do for the kids that are on the free lunch program. And they're just like, yes, okay. So they, I was happy to see they thought of those details. And then the latest one, um, because now our schools are closed till at least April 20th, I think it is. Um, they said, is, you know, these are the drive up locations, um, just, you know, or walk up, just, you know, come up and we have a system in place to, you know, have the six feet of separation and that kind of thing. Um, it's open. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't say this next part without crying, so I'll just cry through it, okay? Um, it's open to anyone with children ages 1 to 18. 
just love that. <laughs> oh, I just love that. And they said, as long as the kids, you know, the kids have to be with you. Um, but let's do this. Now, I know some of you may be critical that, oh, they shouldn't be doing that because of this. Or that. I'm sorry, but I love it. <laughs> I do. Those, those one-year-olds are not part of the school system. That's not part of their funding, a one-year-old in my community. And the fact that they've said, yeah, you guys too, bring them in. Let's make sure everybody gets something to eat. I love my town. <laughs> I really do. And I, I hope that each of you are feeling that about your community, or maybe you could get involved and share ideas. I don't know. But some of you maybe are involved in decisions like that. And huge hugs to you, right? But I know for a lot of us, we're seeing another side of our infrastructure. I had kind of a discompassionate view in many ways of my local school district, Boise School District, and and what they do. And sometimes I disagree with their decisions. And I don't like how they handle things a lot of times. And to see them doing something that's just, you feel their hearts. <laughs> and they seem less like an admin and more like a human, <laughs> um, which they've always been a human. I mean, that's so silly that I need a reminder of that. But it's like, yeah, it's just it's so beautiful. So I hope that you're seeing signs of that. I hope that you're looking for signs of that. I hope that it helps your heart feel big um, when we need it. And I'm still, like I said, allowed to go on walks and things like that. And um, when I'm out and about, I do notice sometimes there's a part of me like, oh, six feet. And there's a part of me that sort of like six feet means I can't look at them, means I can't smile at them. And then I'm sort of like, Jill, don't be dumb. Right. So then I kind of look up and even though we're six feet or more away, I just, you know, give them a smile. How are you today? And, you know, there's an older guy just sitting on a park bench um, and my golden retriever, Samson, and I sort of walked around him with the six feet but I just, he was kind of looking down and I just kind of tried to make eye contact with him, like, you know, kind of just dipping down a little bit. And then he looked at me and he was about my dad's age, maybe 78. And I said, I said, Hey, how are you doing? And he goes, it's doing okay. And I said, I said, I'm glad to hear it. I said, I hope you're enjoying the sunshine today. And it's just, you guys, this is, a, this is who we are as, as you and I, I mean, a lot of us are just naturally this way. And you never know what sort of an, an edge somebody's on. And this is going to be really hard for a lot of people in ways that, that don't make the headlines as often. The emotional health, mental health. This is a really, really, people are afraid about a lot of different things and people and themselves. And oh my God, there's just so many reasons to panic. So where you can feel centered and you know, be your best and be that beautiful example of love and caring and compassion and wisdom and intelligence, etc. Even on a walk or even just you know, waving if you're stuck inside, waving at a neighbor that's driving. I don't know who's allowed to go out anyway on social media or something. Just make it count. Make this count, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm way behind on all of your guys' comments here. <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Tom just said the crisis bring out the best in many, showing kindness to strangers and building community. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> she just said tearing up right along with you, sister. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Hmm. Yes, Karen, she just said absolute vodka, the brand starting 
to turn vodka into sterilizer or sanitizer. Exactly. We have a local brewery that before I was seeing like Absolute and some of the national brands, we have a local distillery that makes a microbrew kind of thing. And they were making sanitizer and delivering it to the local hospitals. And I'm just like, yes, that's, but you guys, nobody probably asked them to. <laughs> and that just, you know, just, you know, for-profit institutions in, in some communities end up being really demonized and, oh, they're just in it for the money. They're humans, you guys. They're just, you know, trying to make something that people want so that they can, you know, feed their families and, you know, yeah, maybe do well and maybe have another car and maybe buy a vacation home or whatever. But all of that ends up going back to the economy, you guys. It it all ends up cycling all everything we buy, everything we pay for, everything we say yes to, no matter big or small, ends up becoming income for somebody else and i think we forget that or we have forgotten that and that i mean to me that's like just a, a fundamental of economy and that's why i am worried about financially and like what, what can i do what what can we do um to support each other and to support other businesses and my favorite restaurant that's the little neighborhood locavore uh restaurant that we have i go and get the bohemian sandwich with four slices of, of pastured bacon <laughs> and they're closed and i'm just like i need i've been i'll do it today i go on social media hey you guys just this is jill i get the bohemian order takeout once a week and i miss you guys and i can't wait for you to be open again and i can't can't wait to get my sandwich again <laughs> it's expensive by the way it's like 15 bucks <laughs> every time i go okay let me blow my nose here okay so again speaking about um financial and economic and those sorts of things i uh, I'm a little nervous <laughs> about the financial uh, sort of bailout and financial support systems. I'm, I'm glad that people that need it are going to get that money. I'm very concerned about what that's going to do to um, deficits and debt, <laughs> which is already a problem, at least in the U.S. it is. So I'm kind of like, how is this going to go? You know, but I, again, I totally understand why they're doing it. It's nice to see more collaboration across party lines in my country between Democrats and Republicans. And um, yeah, so that part's good. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, I do feel like the majority of this sort of helping businesses as much as possible will not be through government assistance. It will be through individuals, everyday individuals, people like us, um, trying to support each other, recognizing who has a business and um, businesses that we've been uh, enjoying their services or enjoying their products, do it, doing what we can to help them help them, you know, stay alive and stay profitable and, um, or just letting them know that you care, that you miss them for them that are closed down. Probably all of them have a social media account. I, I never want to underestimate how, especially a small business owner or even a big business owner, um, more, maybe more on Twitter that, you know, if it's an Apple product, Hey, I would have gone into, um, to get my phone checked out today and you're not there and <laughs> I miss you, <laughs> you know, heart, heart, heart. You never know how that will raise somebody's spirits and make them feel essential <laughs> if they haven't been classified as essential. Okay. Um, yeah. So we are, we, you and I as consumers and as business owners are a huge part of this economy and the government will try to do what it can to support us and um, but there's just a lot of ways that sometimes that can make it harder. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Okay. I won't, I definitely won't be able to get all these comments, but 
Oh, cute. Uh, Stephen, he has grandkids, new grandkids, and he's saying silver lining. I appreciate my son and his wife for spending so much quality time with my grandson. And fortunately, they can work from home. Oh, that is a huge silver lining, right? Yeah, this, and I mentioned this in the March Equinox message. And I, some of, even those of you that heard it, you may want to rehear it now because I, I feel like it was, we, we all covered a lot of like really, really good things. And it, it's very relevant. I think it will stay relevant for a lot of things. I don't think we're going back to normal is what came through in that message. We're, we'll be creating new normals. And it, they may be new normals on a small scale. They may be on a big scale. There may be fundamental changes that, that we individually and we as communities and businesses realize like, wow, I, huh, I used to do that thing and I, maybe I don't even want to do that anymore. Maybe, maybe that habit or maybe that part of industry doesn't, maybe, maybe that was something we did because we were, we had, didn't have anything better to do and now we have something better to do. Um, yeah, hmm. there's a lot of, lot of reflection here. Yeah, Amy, Amy, you just said yes, all of that. So many mentioned already. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, okay, good. Mm. Hey, Adria, she's saying, I was a part of the food distribution. Being an employee at the Y brought a new sense of appreciation and reminder that those who truly need the food assistance, I was able to be a light in their day. Oh, Adria, I totally feel that. <sighs> yes, exactly. Mm. Oh yeah, I just I just felt this that for some of you that that you want to help but you don't know what you can do and you're sort of maybe the type that maybe asks like what can I do what can I do, um, you may not get an answer to that about what you can do. So maybe it'll be up to you in this case. What do, what do you want to do? What do I mean? Get creative. Put yourself out there, um, in some way. Maybe it's a community message board in your neighborhood. I don't know that you're never normally active on that. You're just. Hey, even you guys, the simple act of checking in with people, um, you know, knocking on somebody's door and just, you know, leaving a little note to your neighbor just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. How are you doing? Um, this is my phone number. This is my email or, you know, whatever. This could be a whole nother level of communities connecting with each other that we've never seen before. Yeah. So, and some of you are probably already seeing signs of that. I was walking the dog last night and, um, I have these really, I have really cool neighbors and, uh, the one in particular, I don't think they have a TV, which I have a lot of respect for you guys that don't have televisions. They, I think they, they sit in these little chairs and it's in a, a big kind of picture window that kind of looks out on, on our kind of side street that I share with them. Um, and I was walking the dog. It was, it was after the sun had already gone down below the horizon. So it was getting dark and she, I heard her knock on the window and wave at me. And that was just, it was just so sweet. They've sat in that window and watched me go by so many times and, and don't knock on the window to, to let me see them and let me see their smiley faces, you know, smiling at me as they sit and enjoy their wine. I just imagine they're reading and listening to classical music, that they're those kind of fancy cultural people, <laughs> you know, anyway, I love her. I love them. And that, that was just so sweet. It was just really beautiful. Yeah. Okay. What else? Let me fly through these and see. Okay. Oh yeah. Cosmic Ninja. Uh, what do you think will happen if COVID-19 becomes very active in the prisons? Oh, you guys, there's so many situations like this, the homeless population, prisons, um, 
what else? Yeah, those are two big ones. That, oh God, it's terrifying, isn't it? I mean, literally my prayer is that somehow, some way with data we don't have right now, that somehow their immunity is different than the rest of the population and that it's not as horrible of a problem as, as, it, as it looks like it could be based on the current modeling. We may be very pleasantly surprised at how resilient some populations are. And and maybe you wouldn't think it, right? You, we just don't, I feel like we really don't know. And I feel like this virus is so new and again, doesn't act like other viruses. Um, so it's just really, really weird. Um, and it could be that, I mean, I am hearing individual and they're very anecdotal sort of cases of somebody that was didn't meet any of the risk criteria. They were healthy, they were, you know, a skier, they were this, they were that, and they got sick and died, right? So this virus isn't acting normally. And then there's there's a woman in a, um, a home, uh, like elder care hospice, not hospice, but she was in an elder care community in Washington and she got COVID-19 and I don't know if she was hospitalized or not, but she's fully, it looks like she not going to fully recover. She does not have the virus anymore. So I'm like, okay, there we go. So that was a person that on paper would have been very much vulnerable and then the at-risk group. And she not only got it and got sick, she recovered. So, right, we don't know. Um, so we're going to learn a lot more and I do have some predictive dates in that March equinox message, which I, I think you'll like that message a lot because it is kind of like, okay, this could be good. And what's fun for me, little geeky as Jill was that my husband was listening to a interview that Bill Gates had or something. And he was predicting like this by April and this by June. And I'm like, Hey, I said, honey, I said that I said June. <laughs> so he's like, good job. Good job, Jill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay, let's see. Okay, hey, Sylvia. She's saying, to do my part as a coach, I have created a platform for people to authentically connect with each other free of charge, Synergy Hour. Oh, Sylvia, that's what I'm talking about, right? Great job, sister. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Okay. Mm, Sherry's quoting here. Um, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Yeah. Oh, Oh, Sherry. Okay, now I'm not very well read. Can you tell me who wrote that? Because <laughs> it, is, it is so good and I have goosebumps all over me and I, I'm not well read. I think you guys that know me know that. Yes, I am educated. Yes, I have an MBA, but I there's a lot of classics that somehow escape me. Anyway, um, and then she said, spooky Jill, I was just having that thought. What can I do? There we go. I picked right up on that. And you probably weren't the only one. Yeah. Mm, Sylvia also said so many silver linings. I have a feeling these new normals will be in the benefit of everyone's highest good. Oh, I hope so. I literally hope so. I pray so. Yeah. Mm. Dickens, thank you. <laughs> I, I only had part of it memorized, had to look up the rest. Don't give me too much credit. Oh, I will. <laughs> I will give you credit, sister, because that was beautiful. And I'll give credit to Dickens, too. Good job. <laughs> good job, Charles. <laughs> All right, you guys, what else? Otherwise, we'll call it a wrap for today. A Tale of Two Cities. Okay, Deirdre, high five to Deirdre. She knew, she said, nice. A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> Very good, see? Oh, you guys, see? <laughs> yeah, you guys are good. Mm. 
<laughs> that dude just said I've only read a few books. <laughs> Winky face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Melissa saying starting to see more references to attributing COVID-19 to the event. And it's here. The ascension does not resonate. Yeah. I'm with you, Melissa. It's yeah, I was thinking about that actually my walk a couple days ago is that for a lot of like doomsdayers, right? This and I'm not saying they're happy about the the crisis, but for a lot of them, they've been preparing for it in that way that they've been um predicting, you know, apocalyptic sorts of experiences for so long. And I I just I, I'm such a natural optimist that I kind of go, huh, and I listen to it, but I do, I do tune out after a while. I mean, I, you know, some of us are around for Y2K, probably this whole group was around for Y2K, right? And then some of us were around for the, and maybe in, you know, consciousness and spirituality and all our yummy woo-woo communities when, you know, 2012 was rolling around. I mean, there was a lot of sort of apocalyptic and, um, oh, this is the ascension. This is the awakening of humanity. And you know what? If that eventually happens, that's great. It's definitely not what I see. And I don't look at events like this as meaning something for global awakening and enlightenment. I, I remember hoping that was true. I remember feeling really good feeling that way. But I also have a side to me that loves to be really, really realistic and really pragmatic and really all the way in my body. And let's just talk a little bit about that. There are a lot of people I come across in, in this work that are not in their bodies. Like energetically, they're like up and out front in the center and their bodies like behind them. Um, there's a lot of the meditation experiences we do to help all of us feel more in the bodysuit. Um, there is a very sort of um, wiry, um, like a like wiry little dogs. Not all little dogs are wiry. I totally get that. No offense to the little dogs, but um, the wiry little dogs that are really yappy and yippy and <laughs> just jittery. That's how a lot of people that are outside of their bodysuit are because they don't have a home. They are not anchored in their bodysuit. And for a lot of them, it's based on childhood trauma. It's based on feeling very unnatural and very weird here. Um, like here as humans, which I know just maybe somebody that's new here is like, what is she talking about? That's okay. You don't have to get that part. Some of us are like, yep, <laughs> either they feel that way or they know people that feel that way. Um, I love and I hope that everything that, that I do in my work helps you feel more comfortable in your bodysuit, more comfortable being here on earth, helps you see the bigger picture about what the hell is going on um, and all of that. And you know that it was probably five days ago that I think I was saying to one of my daughters, I said, it's really weird that with this crisis, there are so many topics that I've covered that are like front and center dead on for this. I mean, we've, we've done series on what it, what happens when we die and what to know about the afterlife, um, what to know so that you don't reincarnate because no one, unless you want to, if you want to, that's fine, right? But that you knowing you don't have to, and that's really, really important to know while you're alive and before you die and while you're, while you're in the death uh, corridors. Um, we've done that. We've done a health series. We've done the Outwitting with Tico and Consciousness Revealed series. 
we've done everything related to, well, not everything, but everything we have done has been about helping you feel aligned with the um, divine essence that I call God, that is available to all life and is the, the inner structure of all life and that we get disconnected from that. Wow, it's just like I've got like a playlist for how to get your shit together <laughs> and align with your light and align with your source energy vibrations and frequencies and sensations um, in regular life, including in a crisis. So it was yesterday that I finally like, okay, Jill, just focus. And I made that checklist. And we included things like the relationship conversation that, that those of us as members had in the October Ask Me Anything number five, where somebody asked about... Um, potential separation and potential divorce. And um, it was like the the outcome there of what advice and recommendations and sort of like, okay, let's just step back and look at this rationally. Um, the, the 40 minutes or so that came through there, I'm like, God, that's big, right? And then I did see a little headline about Dr. Phil talking about, um, you know, the divorce may, rate may be really high after this. Can you imagine being married to somebody or in a relationship with somebody that you have benefited from not being together 24-7 and now you're stuck with them 24-7? Oh, big hugs <laughs> to anyone that's in that situation. Um, yeah, that's a... Anyway, so the relationship crisis sort of part of the message we put together, I was, I'm really happy with what we put together. And then um, very... I'm very grateful that some pointed out, you know, I, this is great, Jill, but I can't afford this stuff. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I want it to be affordable. So I created these amazing coupon codes and I made it clear on that resource page what's free um, because I think half of what was there is free. Um, and I think sometimes we focus on what we can't have versus what we can have. And if for anyone that's in a financial situation, literally we've got, we've got a library, we've got hundreds of free videos on YouTube, right? And they don't talk specifically about COVID-19, but they help you feel another version of yourself that can help you through anything, be a better person, be a better person, be a better you, like yourself more and get through shit like this. <laughs> so very happy we have all of those resources available. So anyway, it was a lot of work yesterday though. Yeah, Patty said, minding the matter to strengthen our immunity. Exactly, and that was in there, yeah. Yeah, hello Cosmic Ninja again. She said, I'm just wondering when global events happen on Earth that affects many people, does it have to get okayed by the majority during galactic meetings? Oh, that is a fabulous question. <laughs> the 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 response I just felt is not when it comes to viruses. Um, damn, they don't play by the rules because it's more in the Wetiko realm. Yeah, yeah, the other kind of layer of of inner response I'm feeling is we did not we did not say yes to this. Yeah, and here we are. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Mm. Cosmic Ninja, by the way, you may really, really like, and I'm going to go find it right now. Um, uh, doesn't. Yeah. Let me, it'll probably start playing here. I don't want that to happen. There is a YouTube video, and I love that I found it right away. Um, God doesn't know how things will go. <laughs> I'm going to copy that link right here. 
um, for you and others because that one it, it would be a really nice tap for the question that you asked okay because the question implies that okay let me read it again i am just wondering when global events happen on earth that affects many people does it have to get okay by the majority during galactic meetings um that would infer if you really really look at the 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 structure to your amazing and good question would be that in order for things to happen globally all of us have to have said yes and therefore that there's a there's a part of us a source that knows what will happen that there's some, yeah, we knew this would happen, sort of vibration and element to it. And we've shared messages in the past, and I would point you to it, um, that that isn't, how, that isn't how this works. And it definitely isn't how this works. So JRF podcast number 210, God doesn't know how things will go part two. And sadly, I don't know where part one is. <laughs> but maybe I linked to it. I don't know. Maybe some of you know, maybe it's number two, 209. I don't know. <laughs> but um but yeah deeper into god not knowing how things will go yeah all right so i do recommend that it's maybe good to to check that out again and decide if you think it's true i'm only sharing what i know as true but that doesn't mean you have to agree with me right okay um karen is saying the old quote-unquote videos are amazing and so good to have access to oh i'm so glad to hear that karen i definitely hope that's true yeah Okay, yeah, Cosmic, she already knows it. She said, Cosmic Ninja said, I listened to it and it was great. Okay, <laughs> then I'm glad we got your answer. Your new, your new question today. Yeah, Melissa just said, would this be voted on by the virus? No, because an unconscious, the unconsciousness acts in such an impulsive sort of like, you know, it just has this weird wiring to it. So it's very it's very unthoughtful about it. It is impulsive. Um, it's sort of like, you know, manslaughter, right? It wasn't premeditated, but it, it just like, oops, I, I pulled the trigger. I shouldn't have, but I was, I was in a fit of rage and I wasn't thinking judge, you know, those sorts of things. It's, it's more like that. Yeah. And I think that is the healthiest and, and literally the most honest way to look at the nonsense, including a virus like this, that's, um, that's acting this way. Yeah, and I am reminded of, uh, <laughs> I'm sensitive to say this because my younger daughter is now a teenager and she probably wouldn't like me talking about this, but um, there was a time when I, I had never, I always, we're going to talk about head lice, you guys. I had never had head lice as Jill. Um, and then we were on a trip to Mexico. We were in the Acamal. I love Acamal. I hope I get back there at some point. It's south of Cancun and um, it's just south of Playa del Carmen. Anyway, um, we, three of the kids, at least two of the kids got head lice. Oh, it's terrible. And then, um, so we were learning about what that is and how to get rid of it and stuff. And then it was really, really hard. <laughs> and some of you are like, yes, it is. Um, cause you know, anyway, it was funny cause we were driving, we were driving somewhere and she said, it's just like, it just wants to live. And she was describing the headlights and I was like, yeah. And I said, Georgia, it'll outlive us all, <laughs> right? That kind of wiring that is just like, I'm just here to live, right? And it just keeps multiplying and replicating and I can get you and I can get you and I've got these hosts and I've got that host. It's just like, God, what a, what a plethora of life, uh, uh, 
sustenance that's got going on here. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, okay. Cosmic Ninja is saying, I was thinking about what you told us, that there were galactic meetings regarding the events in Atlantis. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, you're, thank you for that reminder, because maybe there is a nuance to this that I'm missing here. Let me go back in and maybe not dismiss it too quickly, if I did. We didn't agree to this in a way of like, gosh, if we had a global pandemic, we could use that for good. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that kind of decision. It wasn't that kind of situation. And much more the case with something like this, some individuated life form, in this case, the, that virus presented and uh, multiplied, right? And is constantly adapting and evolving as it goes, making the modeling even harder, right? It's just when you think you've got it, it's like, oh, wait, we've got these symptoms. Some people can't smell and can't taste for a while. That's their first symptom. They have no smell and they have no taste. They have no sense of taste, right? That's That didn't show up initially from the China data, um, or at least it wasn't talked about. I'm just thinking here. Yeah. Okay. So our decision on that is to pause that topic because most likely not with you, Cosmic Ninja, but the more that we make this a very esoteric thing, the more likely we are to uh, kind of um, exacerbate those that are out of their bodies. And they're, they're almost like trying to stay out of their bodies with very esoteric information that seems very otherworldly and, and not tangible in a in a delicious way to them, right? So I we, we just feel like it's better, for, especially for the context of this message, which is about calming and getting in the body and, and feeling better prepared and, and more informed and like, okay, we've got this, let's be our best, let's do what we can. There's a lot of answers we don't have, but let's just do what we can. That for the, for the context and purpose and intention of this message, let's not go there. But maybe in June <laughs> or maybe in July when, we're, when it's not such a panic situation, okay? Yeah, because I want to go there too, but I, I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, you guys, that feels like a wrap. We did it. We did it. I'm so glad we did it. And I'm still just giggling at the, the article. <laughs> yeah, I just, oh, I hope you guys have those moments too. It's like, hey, maybe it was better than I thought it was. I was, I was ready to go two days ago, but, but not because we ended up doing it here, which was perfect. So. Anyway, I love you guys so much. Um, I please know I'm thinking about you. I, I, I think about all of you. And maybe not individually, because some of you I don't know individually, but as, as a general sort of place, I just, I wanna be there for you. I, I love to be there for you, I, and you're probably very similar. We just feel like we're built for this in a way. Um, while wanting to be there for myself. And I've learned a lot over the past year with the atrial fibrillation and, you know, bullshit that I had there that I, it doesn't work well for me to stretch myself too thin and feel like I can be there for everybody. So the whole membership community has been really, really healthy for me to sort of have a boundary of, okay, I will go maybe above and beyond in, the, in this context, but not just 
throwing stuff out in the world in a random kind of anyone kind of pattern. Um, I don't think that works well for me and I don't think it's as healthy for me. And I do, uh, anyway, it's just good. Okay, so you guys get to decide how you do you and I will decide how I do me and hopefully we're helping. I hope we are and thank you for the feedback that you've given here. I love you guys so much. Um, I'll continue to, to, you know, be inspired by, oh, what if we did this and what if we did that and I'll try this and, um, and I'll check in with you guys, especially the membership, obviously. And, um, I just want us all to feel really, um, seen and heard and that you matter, that you are essential. <laughs> Even if you have a job that's considered not essential, you're always essential. And I love you. And if you have rough patches where you um, start to go into a dark place, please reach out for help somewhere that you trust, okay? Um, even if it's an online community and a private message or whatever, there's so many resources here. And I know, and I said this in the 24 seven online community, there's a lot of us that feel like we are the helpers. And sometimes, and I was talking about this with a friend yesterday, Jill, we were both talking about sometimes helpers don't, it's like they forgot how to ask for help. Um, and that's a, that's a new gear. I highly recommend for all of you that are more in that camp that you are professional helpers and you are maybe significantly deficient in the receiving of help. So it may be good to just sit for a moment after you're done with this message and just say, how could I use help today? And some of you may, you may never go there with your thoughts, but I really, even if it's uncomfortable, I really encourage you, how could I be helped today? And then what do you wanna do about that? If you identify anything, right? It could be something super simple. I have a scratch on the middle of my back that I can't reach, <laughs> right? Is there someone around? Do you have a back scratcher? Do you have a pet? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's just, it could be very simple to kind of get that process going. All right. Okay. All right. Adios, amigos and amigas. Uh, I love you so much. And um, I'll have the replay up as quickly as I can. I love you. And let's, let's get through this. I know we will. I know we will. Um, yeah, better than we think we will probably. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now.